0: Number 92 of the recommendations on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission says the private sector really needs to develop a business relationship with the Indigenous peoples. And I think this is an evolution. This is something that is stronger than just saying at the end of your project, oh, by the way, we're looking for Indigenous partners. That doesn't work. This
1: is Building Good. I'm Jen Hancock. Early this year, the entire state of Texas went through a major power crisis. As a result of severe winter storms, the entire state went black for two weeks. With a looming climate crisis, there's never been more pressure on our power systems. They just aren't cutting it anymore. It's not just Texas that suffers from a creaking power grid. California had similar problems, and Portland had to suspend streetcar service for a few days. We need sustainable energy solutions that not only keep CO2 out of our air, but also keep life going. Building entirely new power grids for major cities is one thing. And what about remote communities who've been relying on diesel generators for decades? All this new energy infrastructure, from grids to storage, across North America. Let's not forget it's being built on indigenous land. So in our efforts to protect the planet, and life as we know it, where do we start? I'm talking to a CEO who's got an idea, and she's showing the world what it means to truly be a leader in sustainability. Annette Verschuren is the president and CEO at Innerstore, an energy storage organization that is partnering with Indigenous communities across the country to create sustainable energy solutions and help Canada meet its 2050 targets. But Annette's story doesn't start here. If I ran through all her accolades, you'd be listening to this podcast for a while. Her history and leadership includes household names like Michael's Crafts of Canada and Home Depot. What's really notable here is that in both, Annette was also leading sustainability initiatives. Today, she's guiding Enerstore as they build energy storage facilities across Canada. They even built a community microgrid in Arviat, Nunavut a remote community accessible only by plane and barge. It's preventing more than 160,000 tons of CO2 emissions over the next 20 years. All of this has culminated in an unwavering quest to do more for the world. And with Enerstore, Annette is creating a sustainable energy overhaul across the country, but knows she needs Indigenous support to do it
0: right. I saw, even when I was in the coal company, that my mother would put out her sheets, white sheets, and then the evening when she took them down, they would be pink. And so I saw that it wasn't sustainable. I always believed in sustainability. My father, he was the first dairy farmer that spread manure on the land. So he replaced fertilizer, right? He was very driven by uh, sustainabilities. Even when I was with Michaels and and those years at Home Depot, I was a leader in sustainable development. And I chaired the first environmental committee. I convinced all our wood processors to get third-party certification so that we could manage our woodlands better around the world. And I was always intuitively driven by caring about the planet, caring about what we're taking from the planet. And I, I really have always thought that the most successful companies are those companies that move harder on the environment, recognize that this is a circular economy. And so finally the. The world's catching up with me, even though I've been in business over 40 years. But I'm finally seeing that the things that I've wanted and believed in and, you know, have been driven by are happening in a very substantial way. And can you imagine coming from coal to energy storage? I mean, think of that for a moment. And I was always fascinated by energy, but it wasn't until, you know, when I left Home Depot, I went around the world with my husband and we went to 17 countries. Many of them were developing countries. And so I saw water, food, and energy, the big issues that needed to be solved in the world. And that's why I chose energy. I just said, look, you know, I can make an impact. I believe with the business experience that I have, I can build a company and really make an impact. And so that's what my team and I are doing at InnerStore.
1: Is there an interesting, cool project that InnerStore is working on right now that gets you excited? There's
0: so many. There's so many. Well, we're working on one of the biggest projects in the world. It's a big 250 megawatt battery storage facility in Ontario. My partner is uh, Six Nations of the Grand River. Matt uh, Jamison is the uh, CEO of the development company there. Mark Hill is the chief. And I'm really excited because it is a 50-50 partnership with a great Indigenous partner. And it'll really modernize the grid and really introduce storage in a big way to stabilize, to take that renewable energy that we're wasting now and curtailing and using it and storing it and putting it on the grid when it's needed. And I love the relationship we have with Six Nations of the Grand River. It started over three years ago. And we sat down, Matt and I and my team, and we said, look, we're going to do this differently. We want you at the decision-making table with us. He's made all the decisions with us right through the whole development stage here. And he's also contributed to the development costs. So he's a true partner, right? I'm very, very influenced by, I had the privilege of spending some time with Marie Sinclair, but number 92 of the recommendations on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission says the private sector really needs to uh, develop a business relationship with the Indigenous peoples. And I think this is an evolution. This is something that is stronger than just saying at the end of your project, oh, by the way, we're looking for Indigenous partners. That doesn't work. This project will put money into this community all the time that it's operating. It will allow the independence that the Indigenous peoples across this country need. A true partnership is what I would describe this. So that's a really cool project. So there are all kinds of interesting projects that we work on. Another one is that we're working to build a microgrid in Arviat. Arviat is in Nunavut okay. and 2,500 people. You go in these communities and these diesel generators are in the middle of the town. The kids are playing around and they're breathing this stuff. This is yep. so terrible. So we have to get off diesel. And so this microgrid, which would be a combination wind, solar and battery technology will take, will reduce uh, the diesel generation by 50%. Not there hundred percent yet, but uh, these are, Projects that are important to our country, important to the world. That's some of the great work that and our store is doing. And the other interesting piece is that we're in the residential business, and so we have uh, we distribute the Tesla Power Wall. and so we're helping uh, small commercial companies, we're helping individuals, we're helping utilities now put these power walls into areas that are difficult, that have challenges when there are weather patterns that are that are problems, and and we'll use them as storage.
1: Just on the the power wall piece, what uptake is happening right now in that space? It's probably slow. What do you see coming down the line for that, like something like that in residential and maybe smaller commercial applications? If you had your crystal ball, what would you see?
0: It's going to be big. People are wanting to control their power. People are wanting to Get renewable power. I see enormous growth on the rooftops of Canada, having a combination solar panels and battery technology. It's happening, right? It's happening. And 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 part of the challenges is the grids aren't ready to receive some of this, but it's changing quickly. I just see an enormous demand. I see all farms, all small commercial operations, really getting a lot of their energy from wind and and solar power and the way to maximize that performance is through battery technology. So people are demanding it, you know, and I see that as electric vehicles come on stream too, I see that becoming a storage facility for, for solar energy. And so it's, it's all a little complicated, but there are all kinds of innovation happening to solve all, for all these problems. But this is going to be a big market.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the electric vehicles, just we see all of the companies making the commitments. You can't have a bunch of electrification of vehicles and then not have, you know, solar to support. But the battery pieces as a, and cars can function in the, as part of the battery solution, but you're will need more than that. So it all really ties together.
0: No, it really does tie together. And so one of the big challenges, people that operate electric vehicles want to buy clean energy too, right? I think utilities are going to start to make that available. Now, Canada, 80% of its energy produced through electrification, but the electrification is going to expand you know like think of what all what we're talking about here you got to have an electric grid then the electric grid will supply the energy to manufacturing to steel making to like to all yeah. these industries and it's just and then transportation is enormous too and hydrogen will play a role as well in some of yeah. these areas but uh it's all happening now and it's all being planned for in order for us to meet our 2050 Targets. Oh my God! There has to be an enormous so amount of much work.
1: work. Yes, so yeah, much. yeah. And interestingly, just as you were thinking, speaking, I was thinking that the importance of diversity within business, so that we have the most kind of creativity and innovation. But diversity on the power grid, or any many, it's it's equally as important that we have diversity there from a diversity kind of power sources, so that that is the stabilizing factor there.
0: Yeah, Jen, I'm seeing what they call that distributed energy, right? You know, an example I often use, Puerto Rico went down and that whole system was centralized system, right? And the whole island went down for a year.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you imagine if they had three or four units, um, microgrids, etc.? That wouldn't have happened, right? Wouldn't have happened as, in such a disastrous way as it did. So I think places like Texas, everybody's looking at their overall capacity, how they can respond to, you know, these terrible weather patterns. And the way to do that is to not depend so much on a central facility. Broaden that distributed energy sources from uh, different places. And and you're going to see a lot more of that. Diversity in electricity is going to be big.
1: So I want to talk a little bit about your leadership. You have some very prominent leadership roles from kicking off Michael's across Canada to moving to Home Depot and expanding that from, I don't remember how many stores. Yeah. Uh,
0: 19 to 179 and the, 600 million in sales to 6 billion in sales. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Amazing. What a, what a What a ride that was. Yeah.
1: So that leadership drive and your work there, how do you think your leadership style over the years, because you've been in leadership roles actually for a lot of your career, how have you seen that evolve over time for yourself?
0: Look, my success has everything to do with creating an environment where leaders can lead. I'm a grower of leaders. That's what I am. And I'm clear at my teams are clear on where our companies are going and how they can participate and engage into the direction of this company. I've built this company for profit and for purpose. Right. And I'll tell you the people that are attracted to this organization are so dedicated. The, the purpose is bigger. Purpose is bigger. Uh, and we, we're going to make money and we're going to be very successful. And that's important. But also, it's also important to really do bigger things, bigger things than just short-term profits. And you know what I love? I love working with the Indigenous peoples because I've worked with the Mi'kmaq here in, uh, in my home of Cape Breton, Unamagi, for many, many uh, years. And they look at things in the longer term. And so when I sit down with Matt, he cares about how to, at the end of the time that our battery facility is complete, how we manage those cells, how we reclaim that uh, property. All things that I think are extraordinarily important, that are sort of maybe not front thoughts, but afterthoughts. I see things happen before they happen, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And I think in 2012, I started in our store and it was a little bit early. And so, you know, we we are technology agnostic too. What I didn't tell you, Jen, is that we have a flywheel facility that works really well with the ISO. We've built out a compressed air facility oh, on oh, top of a soft cavern, longer duration energy storage. And so we and we've dealt with battery technologies. And so we're we're working on many different approaches to storage right different technologies different approaches right now lithium ion battery is probably most cost effective and most ready it's it's competitive with gas plants today probably cheaper and cleaner you know I think the timing is right but I I always go in a bit early (laughs) and it's like I guess surfing you know you start really far out there and you see a little ripple of a wave and then so we're just trying to keep up with this wave and uh so it's the timing is right and we have a lot of knowledge we have nine years of experience where we made mistakes and having that opportunity has just been terrific
1: so your book you wrote a book called bet on me that's something you speak about in your book about the importance of mistakes and actually taking action instead of planning for perfection, because otherwise you will never get anything done. You speak about in there, great leaders don't fixate on being bad or good. They focus on getting better. But do you want to talk a little bit about how that, that seems like a, something that you figured out in your career and has been a huge piece of your success?
0: So Jen, let's take Home Depot. I was there for 15 years. And when I started, I started a company that was 600 million in sales it was 4,500 people. When I left, it was 6 billion in sales and it was 28,000 people. You have to reinvent yourself as a leader about six times during that era. And most people don't survive uh, that growth. And the reason I survived that growth is that I constantly look to self-develop myself. I just never thought I was better than anybody else, to be brutally honest. And yeah. that's been a big advantage that I've had. And, and I'm not. I, I think I can learn more from a 20-year-old or a park attendant than I can in some cases of other CEOs. So I, I'm a person that really gets engaged with the people around me. And I get out of them good information, right. good ways to become a better leader.
1: And it's how you make progress, and it's how you've made progress in so many spaces in your life. From your time, your career, you've seen positive change in gender diversity, but we're nowhere near there yet.
0: Absolutely, Jen. And a lot of it's unconscious, but I'll tell you, it's being called out more. ESG, which is the environment, social, and governance issues on boards, that used to be the bottom of the agenda. Let me tell you, it has changed to the top of the agenda. And you know, when investors make investment decisions based upon the uh, diversity of a board or of the senior leadership team, and that's what's happening now, it's going to go faster, Jen. And it's the institutions that need to change to adapt to this new customer of theirs. And we women are different. Yeah. it's a, It's a different world different world. Yeah. You know, Black Lives Matter, this yeah. indigenous situation in our country and the residential, sc- like yeah. people are just, it's time. Yeah. We're not going to wait time. anymore. No, And we're not going to wait anymore.
1: So as we are looking to create this more inclusive space for everybody in the workforce in the world, what do you think will be key for future leaders?
0: I think the thing that will be key for future leaders is innovation in how to manage workforces innovation in how to respond to underrepresented needs of your organization. I truly believe diversity of thought around any decision-making table really does make a difference. You know, every board that I'm on, I've always been the first woman on the board pretty well. And then there are two, then there are three, then there are four. And you know what? The whole filter system changes, right? The whole it's more inclusive and it's more engaged. And, you know, the pandemic has really got people to think about how they need to move forward. And and it's going to introduce a lot more innovation. So there's a lot of innovation happening in technology. And we talk a lot about IT and all those emerging markets. But I think the innovation happening and how companies are run, I am in my element. I'm at a point where I actually... I'm running a company the way I really think it should be run. All the employees in my company are shareholders and it's very exciting. That's
1: amazing. It's funny. I was going to ask you about your transition from, you know, coal to now the work you're doing and that, you know, if your personal purpose has changed, what I'm hearing from you is you've kind of, you've had purpose and leadership and in sustainability threaded through your whole life. But what seems like now is, you've actually landed inner store is sort of like the culmination of all those things concentrated where you were able to do work in those spaces with your other companies and careers you've really concentrated that here. Do you think purpose, personal purpose in your work, how important is that?
0: Look, I, I say to people now that I am in like, I'm in heaven. I'm at a place where all of my life I've worked to be all of my life. I've worked to really work with Indigenous people, to really produce things for a planet that is improving it, to genuinely, you know, run the company the way I think it should be run. I am the major shareholder of Inner Store, and so it is so cool to be at this space, this point in time, during this opportunity on our planet. I'm I'm in heaven.
1: was Annette Verschuren, president and CEO at Innerstore. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Annette. I hope it gave you a bright vision for our future as much as it did for me. We've got plenty more Building Good to come, so hit the follow button. And if you like what we're doing here and want to help us build good, leave a rating or a review, or just tell a friend about the show. It helps other people find us, and we love reading your reviews. Building Good is a Vocal Fry Studios production. The executive producer is Jay Coburn. Our associate producer is Katie Lohr, with production assistance from Jessica Lachlan. I'm Jen Hancock. Thanks for listening.